Not that you talk with your hands because yeah. you're not Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. If you are new here, welcome to Not Alone Podcast. I am so excited today. We have Patrick here with us today. Thank you so much, Patrick, for being with us today. I have heard Patrick share, well, I guess I'll speak to you. I've heard you share at my kids' school, at a few different churches, uh, a mental health workshop, and your testimony has always been very encouraging and impactful on other people's lives mm -hmm. i also took a culture course what do we call it a culture course intercultural, intercultural awareness intercultural awareness, awareness course yeah. so there was a few of us there including our friend jen and i just thought we could talk a little bit about that to give people a bit of a laugh so this culture course sorry intercultural course awareness aware <laughs> course <laughs> yeah um, why don't you explain a tiny little bit about what that is before we get into the funny stuff? Yeah, so thank you so much. It's in intercultural awareness because uh, I always call it when we come here to, to, from different areas and we come in Canada, we have some perspective and some beliefs which are totally different uh, with how Canadians do things. Yeah. So it's really good since in Canada now we have people coming from all over the world so it's good also to know what other people think and how people do things. Not that we're going to, to, to do what they are doing, but just awareness to know it. It's also very nice either at workplace, either you're a pastor or you are anybody, even a, even a mom at home or a dad at home. You need to know that, that thing. Otherwise you may, you may say something which may be interpreted differently. Yes. 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 Okay, mm -hmm. so in this, we had some times of laughter. So you were explaining about, well, Jen, I think, was explaining how when she was in Uganda, she mm -hmm. would see signs for zebra crossings. And this would be like a sign she would see, she would have seen like just on the road, right? Like where, where people are, yeah. like in right in the town. Mm -hmm. right. So in town, like when you're in Uganda, there is, you're going to see some big sign said zebra crossing. So if you are coming from here, Canada, you won't think the zebras are crossing the road. But it's just people who are going to cross over. It's not a zebra. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so and so Jen not. thought there was going to be, or somebody thought, maybe it wasn't Jen, somebody thought there was going to be zebras crossing. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing I think which is so different, one time when I came here, I was invited to the wedding. One of the strangest things I saw, my friend Mike sent me an invitation and said, uh, you are you're going to sit on this table, what are you going to eat, and all that. And I remember back in Uganda or in any other part of the of the Africa, which I know, we don't have those kind of invitations. There is a wedding, people come in. Unfortunately, here they say they're crushing the wedding, but there it's, <laughs> there is no such a thing of a crushing because everybody is going to be there. You may plan a wedding of like, a hundred people, you end up with 400 and that's, that's fine. Absolutely fine. The same as a home. Like, uh, when I was talking with Jessa, we kept on texting back and forth. What time I'm going to come in? But if it was an African setting, I would just come in and knock the door. If she's, she's not here, there's no offense. I go back. If, uh, <laughs> if she's here, I'll just go in. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> Oh, so those are so just great. a 
two different things. Yes. Yeah. I was, I loved how you explained the whole, when you received your first wedding invitation in Canada oh, and you're yes. looking going, there's a menu, there's food options. Yeah. So strange, really strange. <laughs> Someone to invite me and say, you're going to sit here. And then for, it was like a two month before the wedding, see, I have an invitation. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? It's so weird. But <laughs> so if this was back home in Uganda, then you wouldn't get an invitation and, and anybody can go and you don't need a lot of notice. Like now with the technology, they have WhatsApp. They are just going to put WhatsApp on uh, invitation on WhatsApp group, which maybe there's 400, 500 people and even the neighbors are going to see crossing and see the wedding and they're going to come in. Okay, yes, yeah, everybody's so eating together. Everybody's eating together, everybody's enjoying it together. So. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Would you mind telling us a little bit about how you grew up? Uh, so I was originally born in the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's a, <clears throat> it's a country which was colonized by Belgium. So most of the people speak Swahili, a French, I think in the Congo itself, they, they have tw 200 direct, like a 200 languages. Yeah. But the main one, it is Swahili and, and French for those ones who had an opportunity to go to school. So personally, I was born in a, in a, in a place called Minembo, which is in a, in the south, in the south of the country. Uh, it, Congo have been, when we are growing up, there was peace. My dad was a traditional chief. We had everything which I can imagine any child can wish to have. We are so blessed. Uh, my mom was a Christian. Uh, my dad was so-so. But uh, we lived really a very comfortable life. There was no such a thing. I never, I never knew that one day, one time I was sitting in Canada. Now I call it a blessing. I never wished to be outside the Congo. But unfortunately happened because of the wars which have been going on from 1994 after genocide of Rwanda until today as I'm speaking. There is a turmoil which have been going on, which is called the civil war. Yeah, the civil war, which have consumed many, many people in Congo and even surrounding countries. Wow. Mm -hmm. So how did you end up meeting Jesus? Amen. So uh <clears throat> back Maybe I will just give a little bit of uh, to where the way I reached in Uganda. So because I received Jesus in Uganda. Okay. So in back in Congo, from nineteen ninety from nineteen ninety four, when the when the genocide of Rwanda finished, they always hear like in North America, you see on the TV and somewhere where people, where the news are going to keep on saying about discrimination and all that. But in Congo, unfortunately, most people who live there, they are all black. They're all black. There is no white. There is no Chinese. There is no such a thing. But there is tribes. And these tribes hate one another. So unfortunately, uh, when we are born, we are born the way which I am, the way I look, which I'm so proud. I never wish to look like somebody else. But people, after the genocide of Rwanda, our neighbors were, were convinced that we are not a true Congolese. That maybe we came from Rwanda because of how we look like, or maybe we came from Uganda, or we came from Burundi, 
or some other part of Africa, not in Congo. So that one brought, they say that we are settlers, people who came and grabbed their land. But unfortunately, my great-grandfather was born in Congo in the same land which they are saying that we are not, we are not a true Congolese. So the hatred kept on going until and when the genocide of Rwanda finished, people started burning houses in our area. Burning houses, I still remember it was uh, on Wednesday. In the evening of that day, we had uh, a soccer match. By then, I was 14 years old. We had a soccer match in the evening. That's when we started hearing the gunfire going on. Uh, <clears throat> we came from school. When we are approaching the, the house, that's when we saw auntie and the other people coming out from the gate. We ran towards the thing and uh, my uncle was shot and died there. And unfortunately, we didn't have an opportunity to bury him. So we walked for four days uh, until the, the, the place called Uvira. So Uvira is still in Congo. It's still in Congo. But we thought, the parents thought that maybe when we reach in Uvira, they are going to be peaceful. Then we go back in our area. As I mentioned before, my dad was a traditional chief, acting like a judge. We, we used to live in a house, five-bedroom five house, lived a very comfortable life. So when we reached in Uvira, unfortunately, things didn't change. I still have a scar here on my back for the stone, which I was stoned, just of the way I look like. After three weeks, close to a month, we realized that the parents realized that there is no peace which is coming in the area because even in a place which we have fled in, we had started being attacked. So we decided to go in Uganda. We decided to go in Uganda. Then we ended up in a refugee, in a refugee camp called Chakatu. Yeah, friends, it's, a, it's unfortunate that uh, the life can change your life in just one day. You are a citizen, the next day you become, started calling a refugee. There's no refugee who wishes to be a refugee. Uh, most people, it's just unfortunate act. So coming back to the question about how did I receive Jesus, when I was doing my, <coughs> my senior, my senior six, that's when we went in the, in a, in a conference and I, and I received Jesus. They talked about forgiveness. Normally when things happen, it keeps on, even in our normal life here in Canada, something may happen and it keeps on resentment. You keep on feeling very heavy in the heart. That day, the preacher, who is Pastor Kayanja, talked about forgiveness. And I felt to forgive those ones who killed my uncle, those ones who have made us free and go outside of our country. Then from that day, I started following the Jesus who can be able to forgive us. Since he forgave me, I have also to forgive those ones who have wronged me. So if you are also even there, this is just one thing which you have to consider. It's so good for you. It's so good for me. It has a benefit for me. It has a benefit for you to forgive those ones who have wronged you. It has a benefit for you for more than that person who is asking forgiveness. Wow. Are you able to talk about any of the difficulties or maybe what was some personally 
what was some of the diff most difficult things that you encountered in the refugee camps? Uh, it's uh, absolutely. So when in Uganda, Uganda was colonized by, by UK, which means people in Uganda, they speak Uganda, which is another language. They speak English. So we, we had the language barrier. You couldn't speak with anybody in the country. Of course, there was a peace, but there was the language barrier. The second thing was food. I still remember that's why I always really thank those ones who support different charities. One, we are sitting outside and uh, these ladies came in and, and uh, left maybe like a $20 equivalent to money here. And that money which they gave us, it made so significant into my life until today that even the charity I do, it's part of that knowing the impact which happened. I remember that time when we were in a camp, we had to eat at 3 p.m. Not because we were on diet, not because we wanted to lose weight because anyway in Africa when you are big, it seems like you have a lot of money. Uh, but because the food could, the mom had budgeted that if we eat twice, then we are going to, the food is going to get over. So she decided to be feeding us once. They used to give us a uh, five kilogram of beans, five kilogram of maize, unless if it was in a business time where fish was multiplied, there is no way that thing can spend the whole month. The second thing, there was education problem. Here in Canada, here, like the kids can go to school, unless if you, 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 you choose to take them in private, but the government have provided the way for people to take the kids without paying school fees. But in Uganda, if you don't have money, you, the kids are not going to school. So there was education problem. The other thing is medical. When you get sick in a camp, I talked with some friend of mine here and, uh, because either you have a back pain in a camp or you had like a chest pain or something going on. We used to go there and they give us the same pill. So when I explained to one of the friends, he said it is a happy pill. So it's a just a pill which they give you. It does not treat any, oh. any sickness. It's just something to trick your brain that you are being helped. But there was no, no medication. So that was one of the many people died because of just a very small diseases like malaria, which can be treated. Small infection killed people. Uh, the education the food. The other thing which was so hard when we arrived in the camp, they gave us machete and, uh, and, uh, and a tent. They said, go and build a house. So they showed us just a vacant land, say, okay, that's where you're going to be having a house. Honestly, I had never even reached a farm back in Congo. So it was one of those things which I was like, okay, what is going on? So good enough people of church helped us build this small shack, which we lived in. So how did you get the material to build this small shack? Did they have it sitting there? No. So we had to go in a, in a forest to get, the, get like the poles. We put the poles together like a poles and then put the tent on top and we just enter in. There is no such a thing as a privacy uh, because you are sleeping like six, seven people within the same tent. Okay. Oh, no, going to the bathroom.
for a whole family. Like, oh, what, what does this look like? That's that's crazy. That's yes, a crazy one. I would like to know this. So the bathroom, it's a it's a pit hall. I love that you're talking about them because it helps all of us here that don't know to learn more. Okay, so I'm thinking back to hearing you speak once um, at my children's school many years mm -hmm. ago. You talked about um, somebody giving you shoes yeah. in the refugee camp. Can you mm -hmm. share that story? So <clears throat> the shoes in, in the refugee camp, there is a lot of sicknesses, jiggers and these things which goes in the feet and all that. Uh, <clears throat> it was one of the first projects which we did because when we were in a camp, that's when a gentleman, a young kid called Matthew is the one who gave me the, the shoes, which really helped me a lot for the, for the, for the feet. Uh, <clears throat> so when I came here in, a, in, a, in Canada, that's when we realized that there are many, many people in a refugee camp. In Uganda right now, there is 1.5 million refugees wow. coming from South Sudan, uh, Congo, Somalia and all that part of the of the countries. So when they reach in Uganda, something which government of Uganda which have done is just to secure their security. There is nobody who's in Uganda is secured from 1979 when Idi Amin left. From 1799 until today, Uganda is safe, but they have no they have no means to take care. Of the refugees, there is no no social no social assistance. So when you come as a refugee, the government guarantee you security, but they don't give you any other thing. So for the ministry which we do, which is called giving refugee hope in Uganda, uh, it's just to give them hope. We don't sponsor people to come to Canada or even Uganda. We support them to stay there and start doing. Uh, making like creating themselves the skills the businesses so that they can support themselves when they're in uganda uh, which is really which i will take this opportunity to thank them uh, from the host and other people who have continued to be an advocate and even people of the support and you who are outside there who have been helping different ministries someone like you who have sponsored esther uh, have given us another different level of life. When we are there just this, uh, this June, uh, one of the lady who had lived in the camp for many time, for many years, but because of the sewing training program, she's now living in Kampala. So, and providing for her four children and living very well. Yeah, really thank you so much. So you're <coughs> helping women get out of prostitution or, or if they feel like they have no choice but to sell their bodies mm -hmm. so that they can feed their children this provides them the opportunity to learn a skill therefore they can provide a better lifestyle for their children and and food mm -hmm. yeah this is absolutely amazing um and i just i love how you already shared but all of the struggles of your early part of life have led you to helping all of these people. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> it's a it's a combination of everybody. I'm just one voice. We are nine body members here just in Canada. And uh, those nine body members we are not we are all volunteers. 
So which means every dollar which you receive goes to the, to the recipients, goes to the, to the refugees or to the poor Ugandans. Because in combination, we will have some poor Ugandans and refugees. We don't only just help refugees. The ministry does not only help refugees, helps both people as long as they are fitting the need. And another thing, it's not just we don't support just Christian, we support everybody because we know Jesus didn't come for, for just believers, he came for sinners like myself or any other person who needs him. And we have seen a lot of improvement which have happened. And God have been so good, now we extended into USA. Uh, <clears throat> the ministry have registered in the USA. And even in the USA, the same, we are using the same, the same system. I'm taking us backwards a little bit. So yes. as a little boy, you're, you've lost everything you've ever known. You're now in a refugee camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do end up meeting Jesus. Um, at what point do you have this passion? Because you have this amazing ministry now. So how did that get? Um, birthed inside of your heart? <clears throat> so I think sometimes God allows us to go through something so that we can learn and we can relate into things which we, which are, which is happening in the world. I truly believe that if it was not, if it was not uh, what we went through and living in a camp, I would not even be a Christian. I will not even be in social in the social service or doing the ministry. So, <clears throat> but once when we arrived, when uh, after being after seeing like those two ladies whom I mentioned, who helped us buy food during near the Christmas, and we had to enjoy. That's when I said that whatever little we have, whatever whatever little I have, I can be able to be a blessing. To others, so that's when when we arrived in in Canada in 2008. That's when was a birth of a ministry called Giving Refugee Hope in Uganda, which is just a <coughs> more so focused on <coughs> on empowering people while in Uganda. Empowering, we we do have uh, different programs. As I mentioned before, there is no there is no healthcare. Now we have a medical center which is which we are hoping to open by the beginning of next year. And the construction is ready. Now waterway is on, so that thousands of people are going to have an opportunity to go and uh, and have a free <clears throat> a free medical medical care. Uh, there is one thing here which, when we look at the TV, all what they do, they get collection of bad stories and they deliver it as in our living room, but. Uh, there are people who are listening to this, who are going to listen to this podcast. There are many people who are good people outside there. One person may do bad, but it does not mean people are bad. Not people are bad. So we do have a training center now. Over a hundred widows have graduated. What that one means, there are now people who used to do everything, which starting from prostitution, selling very small things now they can be able to provide for their kids because of the training center in the training center they have a sewing machine people are learning how to sew and the others to do hair styling and there there is a lot of big business 
There are some ladies who had been in a camp for more than 10 years, but because of the, the skill of knowing how to sew, now they are living in a city in Kampala, providing for themselves. Another program which we have, it's a, it's a children's sponsorship to sponsor children to go to school. Uh, now we have over a hundred children who are in, in a sponsorship. What that one means, uh, <clears throat> they get two meals at the school and they get an education. For the person who is sponsoring them, they get an opportunity to have a school report, to know the life of the child, and to follow to follow up. And it's thirty-five dollars a month, uh, which is I'm um, really even I know on this podcast there are many people who are sponsoring from different ministries. Please may God continue to bless you and bless you abundantly for work which you are doing. Uh, <clears throat> It's so hard to understand it and to grasp it, how much your donation, your hardworking money, which can do in the life of those children, those children who are in school. There is one child here, Homa <clears throat> Esther, she, when we saved her, like you could see the ribs, like uh, outside her because of no food, living really in a bad condition. Someone like you, who have sponsored Esther, uh, have given Esther another different level of life. When we are there just this, uh, this June, uh, one of the lady who had lived in the camp for many time, for many years, but because of the sewing training program, she's now living in Kampala. So, and providing for her four children and living very well. Yeah, really thank you so much. So you were, <clears throat> helping women get out of prostitution or, or if they feel like they have no choice but to sell their bodies mm -hmm. so that they can feed their children. This provides them the opportunity to learn a skill. Therefore, they can provide a better lifestyle for their children and, and food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is absolutely amazing. Um, and I just, I love how you already shared, but all of the struggles of your early part of life have led you to helping all of these people. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> it's a it's a combination of everybody. I'm just one voice. We are nine body members here just in Canada. And uh, those nine body members we are not we are all volunteers. So which means every dollar which we receive goes to the to the recipients, goes to that the refugees or to the poor Ugandans. Because in combination we have some poor Ugandans and refugees. We don't only just help refugees. The ministry does not only help refugees, helps both people as long as they are fitting the need. And another thing, it's not just we don't support just Christian. We support everybody because we know Jesus didn't come for, for just believers. He came for sinners like myself or any other person who needs him. And we have seen a lot of improvement which have happened. And God have been so good. Now we extended into USA. Uh, <clears throat> the ministry have registered in the USA. And even in the USA, the same, we are using the same, the same system. Uh, we do have the body members. We have an accountant. And I, I really, I emphasize more of saying 
Thank you for anybody who's going to listening to this podcast, whom you are supporting any ministry. Either it's giving refugee hope in Uganda or any other ministry which you have been supporting, please continue because those funds does does change life. Yes, absolutely. So incredible. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing so much of your life story with us. Your ministry is called Giving Hope to Refugees. We will place some links in the description for the episode here. But um, how how can people get a hold of you? What are the options? Uh, you can give me, you can email me or call me uh, patrick at grhu.org or the phone number is 587-709-2061. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, it has been really a pleasure. May God bless you in what you are doing. Oh, bless you too. The last guest we had left advice for the next guest. Oh. And so the advice from Kayla, you, that the Lord doesn't require a lot more than just our yes. Just saying yes is sometimes all he is looking for. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you have a piece of advice you can leave for our next future guest. Uh, the future guest, the only advice which I can say, continue to do the calling of God. It's an opportunity God which I have given you to serve and we are here for a short while. People are not going to remember you of what you owned, but they're going to remember of you what you did to others. So continue to do what you are doing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, bless you all for listening. Thank you so much. And thank you again, Patrick. Thank you so much. Yeah.